Good morning, good morning. Hope everybody is doing well today. Hope you've had a great week. If you're watching online, thanks so much for joining us uh, this morning. If you're in the room, we're grateful that you're here, whether you're a guest or this is, uh, you've been around for uh, a long, long time. Um, we are jumping back into our study in the book of Daniel. It's called Exiles, and we do, we're saying that on purpose, right? Because the book of Daniel represents a historical period uh, of time where the Hebrews, about 10,000 of them, uh, were taken into captivity into Babylon, and they lived as a minority group, an immigrant minority among uh, the people uh, of Babylon. And it's tragic for a number of reasons, uh, but at least one of those reasons is that these were very, very young people for the most part. Israel, the, the nation felt like, hey, uh, you know, we, we, we got gutted, right? Our, our youngest people, our smartest, sharpest people were taken um, from us. And certainly these young people, 14, 15 years old, would have felt alone, isolated, and abandoned. The amazing thing about the book of Daniel, right, is that they were able, among a place that they did not know, among gods that they did not worship, among a culture that they did not understand, they were able to sing songs, I'm sure, that to them resembled how great is our God, right? That he is the name above all. And they continued, uh, many of them, uh, their monotheistic worship of Yahweh. And what's amazing is that they impacted Babylon, the most powerful country in the world at that time, in that region, more than Babylon impacted them. And so what we said last week, we'll say it every week, is that faith is more about how you live than it is about where you live. In other words, it's more important what God is doing in you than what um, is happening around you uh, in terms of the culture. There are always gonna be moments where we feel alone and isolated and abandoned, just like these, these exiles did. But it's in those moments that we convictionally believe that we grow through these, we don't just go through these moments, we grow through these moments and that God never wastes, he never wastes anything. And so thinking about these young people uh, and what they represented, I was trying to think of a, of a comparison uh, for us. So I'll show you one of the best and the brightest uh, over the last decade or so here in the United States, a young lady, uh, her, her name is Pooja Shekhar. And just to give you a little picture of the things that she accomplished before the age of 17, um, she graduated with a 4.57 GPA on a four-point scale. She had a 2,390 on her SAT out of a possible 2,400, which basically means she missed a question on the SAT, right? <laughs> She was um, accepted to all eight Ivy League schools on a full ride scholarship because by the age of 15, she developed, she built her own app that predicted Parkinson's disease on a 96% efficiency level um, just with voice patterns. It's amazing what this young lady could accomplish. And I look at her life and I think about me and I was like, yeah, when I was 15, you'd be amazed at these noises I could make when I put my hand <laughs> in my armpit, right? But it would be the, 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 young lady, the young ladies like her, right? These are the ones who got taken out uh, of Israel, the best and the brightest. And um, so now when we get to Daniel chapter two, they've been there. Um, they've been there for four years, probably now at this point, they've been through the indoctrination uh, program that we talked about last week. And in Daniel chapter two, King Nebuchadnezzar, who is a confirmed historical uh, figure outside of an, an extra biblical uh, literature. I would compare him to um, historically to Attila the Hun or to Hitler in some ways. 
Um, when you get to Daniel chapter 2, the first four verses, the king is having nightmares. And he can't sleep. He is suffering from insomnia. And so inside, you know, the king's not sleeping. Nobody's sleeping, right? So in the middle of the night, in the first four verses, he rings the magicians. These are like, like the diviners, the, uh, the enchairs. They were a weird group of guys. They're referred to as the Chaldeans, as we read the text here um, in a minute. Uh, but they were a weird group. Of, like uh, they would, um, they, when, I, when a sheep was killed, they would take the sheep's liver. Uh, I don't know why the liver, but they would take the sheep's liver. They would cut it up into pieces, throw it up in the air. And however it fell, they would say they could predict, right, the future based on how the, how the piece was. So they were a really weird uh, kind of group of guys. But in the middle of the night, let's call it 2 a.m.-ish, the king phones the dormitory where all of the magicians live, and um, they're like, you know, waking up, they're wiping their eyes a little bit. They're like, man, the king again, you know. Okay, they're making their plan as they're walking over. Okay, guys, here's Alan. We'll start off with the little king worship. We'll tell him how great he is. Somebody give him some warm milk, right? And then, did anybody bring the sheep liver, right? So we can throw it up. Then, I mean, we, we got the sheep liver. Somewhere. I mean, that's kind of their conversation. But when they get there, they get a real wake-up call. Look at verse 5. Then the king answered and said to uh, the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. So the king looks at the, at the magicians and he says, listen, you, you bunch of bums, right? You're a bunch of phonies. You tell me this stuff all the time. It's never accurate. It never works out. But here's what I'm telling you. You don't have to just interpret the dream. You don't just have to give me the interpretation. You have to give me the content, which he had told no one. You have to give me the content of the dream in addition to the dream's interpretation. And all of a sudden, the panic level hits. Because if you don't, the penalty is limb removal. I'm, I don't know, there's a lot of ways to die, right? There's a lot of ways to go. I'm guessing limb removal is a very, is like way up high, right? Almost, and he says, not just you, but your whole houses. I'm, I'm taking all of you out. And here's their response in verse 10. And the Chaldeans answered the king, and said, so there is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician, any enchanter, or any Chaldean. And they say to the king, look, there's not a man on earth that could do this, king. And you know what? They're right. They're 100% right. There's not a man on earth that can do that. There's not a woman on earth that can do that. And King Nebuchadnezzar looks at the guards and he says, kill them all. Take them all out. Now, Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they fell underneath the leadership of the magicians and the enchanters. That's where they were placed whenever they were taken to Babylon. So it wasn't just the guys in the room that were going to be taken out. It was everybody in the program. So Daniel gets word of what's about to happen. And so Daniel immediately goes to his friend. He immediately goes and finds Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gets them together. They get in a little circle. And Daniel says, okay, guys, here's the deal. We don't just have to interpret the dream, which Daniel had gifting towards. God had given him gifting towards. But we got to come up with a content. And no one can do that. This can only be downloaded to us from heaven. And if we don't, we're dead men. <laughs> Shadrach, they'll probably start with your arms. 
And they'll work their way out from there. So who wants to pray? I bet he didn't even have to ask that question. I bet immediately they started to pray, right? Immediately they jumped. They jumped. Now, whenever we go, you know, whenever we have a little prayer meeting sometimes or we get together with people and it's time to pray and whoever's leading the group, have you ever, have you ever been in that spot when you're leading the group and you're like, who wants to, we always say open, who wants to open us in prayer? And all of a sudden everybody in the group does what? <laughs> I don't want to be me. I don't want to be me. You know, we say things like, anybody got any prayer requests? Get about 30 seconds of silence, right, when you're leading that group. And finally, somebody says, well, you know, uh, middle of the night, the other night, my Aunt Juanita was walking through the kitchen, and she kicked the refrigerator, and now she's got this thing with her toenail. And so I guess we could pray for my Aunt Juanita and, you know, or somebody old, you know, that we, we pray. And I'm like, Lord, will you give me wisdom about which Christmas presents to buy for my children. Oh, I echo that prayer, right? I mean, that's, it's just funny sometimes. And listen, there's nothing wrong with praying for Aunt Juanita's uh, toenail, although it's kind of gross. But we can, you know, it's fine to pray for that. It's fine to pray for whatever you've got coming up with the tis the season, all that's, all that's fine. I'm just saying, this was a different kind of prayer meeting. I, I know it. Daniel's like, here it is. We got to get it. And they jump in and Shadrach starts praying and Abednego's like, could you find, could you finish your prayer? Cause I'm ready. I want to jump in. Have you ever been in a prayer meeting like that? Where, you know, what Peyton really just talked to us about these Daniel chapter two moments where if God doesn't show up, you're sunk. I was, um, when I was probably 24 years old, I was leading, um, a church service in a prison. Uh, we lived in Memphis, Tennessee at the time, the Shelby County uh, prison, and we were all there in the chapel waiting on the prisoners uh, to come in. We were set up, everything was ready uh, to go, and all of a sudden out of nowhere, this loud bam hits the door, and this officer runs in, he hits the lights, turns all the lights off, and he says, everybody on the ground. And when that happens, you hit it, right? I mean, you're on the ground, and all of a sudden we hear on his little mic up here, we have break in cell block C, break in cell block C. He says, don't anybody answer that door, and he runs out. So there's five of us laying on our stomachs, staring at each other, and you know what we did not say? Who would like to lead us in prayer? Who would like to open us <laughs> in prayer? We just immediately, all of us jumped in, start, oh God, please, will you help us? Will you be with us? Because I've got a feeling for what happens to people like me in prison. God, I need you right here, right now, right? And there are moments, I, 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 I got a text this week, one night, from a father in our church. He said, he was out of town. He said, man, I'm heading back in town because I just got word my daughter just got hit uh, by a drunk driver and we need God, we need God to show up right now. Have you ever been in a moment? That, that's this moment in Daniel chapter two. And so after they pray, Daniel chapter two records for us the prayer, the ending of the prayer, I think it was the ending of the prayer of, of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I just want you to listen, just, just listen to these words in verse 20. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. To whom belongs 
wisdom. And listen to the trust and the faith. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings. He sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in darkness and light dwells with him to you Oh, God of my father. And you imagine Daniel praying to you, oh, God of my father, of my fathers who are still in Israel, who are still in Palestine, to you, oh, God of my fathers. I know the stories. I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might and have made known to me what we ask of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Now, listen, we have this tendency, right, to overcomplicate prayer. We have this tendency to think, am I praying the right words? Am I pronouncing these things right? Like, is God really listening maybe to somebody like me or to somebody who doesn't know? I, I, don't, I don't know a lot of theology. I don't, and we just, we just have this tendency to overly mystify prayer. So what I would like for us to do today is we're gonna have a corporate moment of prayer. And what we're gonna do is we're just, I believe the simplest and best way to pray is to conversationally pray back to God his own word, right? So you read the scripture and then you pray what the scripture says back to God. You pray God's word back to God. It's the simplest and I believe it makes the most sense in terms of prayer. So I'm gonna put a prayer prompt up on the screen. We're gonna borrow from Daniel's prayer where he says, God, I bless your name. That's how he starts his prayer, right? So we're gonna pray that. That's gonna be our prayer prompt this morning. God, I bless your name because you are blank, right? And what I'm gonna ask you to do is fill in that blank. Whatever it is, in a way that you've seen God um, meet a need in your life, you've seen God show up in your life, God, you are savior, God, you are light, God, you are Redeemer, God, you are healer, God, you are whatever that is, I'm going to invite you corporately to pray that. Now, here's the kicker. We're going to do it out loud. <laughs> We've never done this, right? And everybody, uh, half the room, right? Now, there's half the room is like, yeah, let's do it. And half the room is like, oh, this could go south real fast, <laughs> right? Why are we doing it out loud? Because two reasons, one is that we need to lean into the prayers, like this is a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego prayer room, right? We have brothers and sisters who are around us who both encourage our prayers and are encouraged by our prayers. There are people in this room this morning that are right in the middle of Daniel, Daniel chapter two moments. And the way that you pray and the way that God has shown up in your life can and will encourage them. Now, let me say this. You are under no prayer. If you're our guest today, or if you're here, you're not a believer, you are not pressured um, in any way to pray out loud. But what I will encourage you to do, if you're here today and you are a believer, is that you lean in and do the hard work of prayer. So when somebody around you says, this is the way that God has met uh, my need. This is the way that God has shown up in my life. He was light. He was healer. He's redeemer. He's savior. You lean in and you pray and you be encouraged even silently by them. We're not going to spend a ton of time, but I'll introduce our time of prayer. Then I'll introduce that prayer prompt and all over the room, 
If you feel led and comfortable, you speak out loud how it is that God has met a need in your life. For those of you who are watching online, I hope that you will lean in with us. I'll do my best uh, to, uh, to repeat some of the things that are rising up in the room for you to be encouraged by those. And then, uh, and then I will close up this, this corporate time of prayer and encouragement of praying God's word back to God. Okay? Everybody got it? All right. Let's pray together. Father, we, uh, we bless your name today. We are so thrilled to have the opportunity to pray to you personally and individually. And then, God, we are grateful for the opportunity to pray as a body, to pray corporately. Even already this morning, uh, Peyton offered us, um, maybe uh, he didn't realize, but he offered us a prayer request this morning for his, God, just ways that you show up in our lives. And so, God, this morning, we want to say that we bless your name because you are now you take the opportunity to fill in that blank yeah faithful yes <laughs> yeah you are healer yes yes alpha and omega yes god you are you are the beginning and the end yeah the rock on which we stand amen that's good Yes, yes. Oh, thank you, God, that you do not change. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Faithful, step after step after step. You are with us, God, in the darkest of caves. You are in the room. You are with us. True and eternal. Yeah, God, you never change. Ugh, amen, more, more than not just enough. You are more than enough. Yes, you walk with your people because you are accessible, because God, you have made, you have opened the holy of holies to us. Worthy, yes, God, you are worthy. You are absolutely worth it. Mm. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness and for your love yes thank you god for offering us the gift of your son and god we'll just close this this moment of prayer this morning with that that you are our savior that in the moment of our greatest need that you left heaven and came to earth for us god i pray that the body is encouraged this morning i'm encouraged this morning lord by the prayers uh, of your people, may they rise up in front of you like incense. May they be sweet aroma as you store up all of the prayers of your people in heaven until they can one day be answered, seen, understood, and known in a very personal way. It's in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for leaning in uh, and praying this morning. And I'll just encourage you that in your own personal prayer life this week, that you're reading the word and you just take verses, verse by verse by verse, and you pray God's word back to him. So Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they feel like they receive this interpretation from the Lord, the content and the interpretation of this dream. And so Daniel goes to all of the magicians, all the, these are the 
those men who supposedly mentored him, right? And he goes into the room and he says, uh, I got it. My God has given me the content and the interpretation. Now, I wonder what they thought, the kid walking in. But they got no other shot, right? I mean, they got nobody else. So they're like, okay, let's see what happens. So here's what Daniel, uh, here's what Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel answered the king. It said, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals me. I love Daniel's uh, spiritual swagger, right? He walks into the king and he's like, king, there's nobody. There's nobody who could tell. These bums over here, no one could tell these guys because they don't know. And to be honest, king, he even says, I don't know. No one. But there is a God who knows even even your heart. And here he gives it to him in verse 31. You saw, O king, behold a great image. This image mighty and of exceeding brightness stood before you and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was fine gold and its chest, was, chest and arms of silver and its middle uh, and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of, I mean, listen to the detail, right? Partly of iron, partly of clay. And as you looked, a stone stone, and this is the, the Old Testament word for small stone, like a pebble, right, was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them into pieces. So the image that the king sees, this dazzling, massive colossus of a statue, right, the head of gold and the breastplate of silver and iron and clay and bronze, and he said, you this amazing thing you saw in your dream. But then a little pebble comes rolling in and it strikes the foot and the whole thing just tumbles. It falls apart, King. He says, that's what you saw. Now there's two things that we learn from Daniel chapter two. I think they're important that we walk away with today. One, we live in spiritual community and we live under spiritual authority. In spiritual community, under spiritual authority. What do I mean by spiritual community? One of the core values of our church is what we call authentic community. When we say authentic community, we say that means that we are family. That it is one thing to come here and worship corporately on Sundays, which is very, very biblical. And we believe it is also very, very biblical to maintain a sense of discipleship, forward momentum in your growth, in your personal relationship with Christ. And we believe that happens best in smaller groups. People, uh, groups of people who get together to do two things. Connect relationally, take the next step in your spiritual journey. And I think you can look at Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and what you see in them is this idea of spiritual community. This is the same thing Jesus did whenever Jesus um, left heaven and came to earth, right? He had, he had a group of 12, and he walked around with this group of 12, 12 that he mentored, 12 that he left the kingdom and the mission in their hands. He literally left us, what we would think about a spiritual life, what we experience, the joy, the peace, the hope, all those things, he left that in the hands of a small group. And we believe that's where people grow best. So we encourage you, absolutely be here on Sundays and absolutely be connected to a group during the week. Um, there was a couple uh, that were part of our church in the late 2010s, early teens, uh, in the 2000s. They were here for five or six years, um, 
fantastic, uh, fantastic couple, Graham uh, and Amy. They, uh, they lived here. I'll show you a little picture of them, and you're probably wondering, well, they're Red Wings fans, right? Well, it wasn't just that. Um, because after five or six years, they had, they had sat here at LifePoint and they had heard me, you need to be in a group, you need to be in a group, but they were busy people. They both had, they both had careers, they were running fast, they had kids who were involved in, you know, travel this and that and that. They were like, we just don't have time for it. But about six months before uh, they came to me personally on a Sunday, when they joined a life group. That's what we call them, life groups. And... Um, Six months after joining a group, they came to me and they said, we need to tell you two things. Number one, we sat and listened to you tell us all these years we should be in a group. And we were the ones. We sat, we sat there and we're like, yeah, most people need a group. We don't need a group. We're too busy. We're too busy. We're too busy. But we've been in a group for two terms and we'll tell you we're sorry. We were wrong. That's what they said to me. They said, we were wrong. We just weren't prioritizing it. And they said, as a matter of fact, we like... We like our life group more than we like coming on Sunday. And we like coming on Sundays. You know, they're real careful. Like, they're like, we like our life group more. And I said, that's how it should be. If you had to choose, I would tell you to choose your group. That's how important and critical I think it is in your spiritual life. I said, second thing, we're moving to Detroit. So after just now getting into a group, just getting really connected, they're like, we're moving there. But the first thing we're going to do is we're going to find a church. And the second thing we're going to do when we find that church, we're going to join a group. And shortly after moving to Detroit, and shortly after getting into a group, Amy found out that she had cancer. And her group there in Detroit, and even some of their group from here, walked alongside them, praying, providing um, for their needs. Because the, the critical factor is you can't have community when you want it, right? You can't just say, oh, I'm in the middle of a Daniel chapter two moment. I need to find Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No, you live in community with people because when those moments come, you've got them, right? They're there. They're with you. The scriptures say two is better than one because they have a greater return right, for their labor. Two is better than one because if one falls down, there is another to pick him up and pity, pity, pity be the man who has no one there to pick him up. And that's what groups do. They pick you up in these Daniel chapter two moments. I, I would encourage you uh, sometime when you have the opportunity to go look at the research of a guy whose name is uh, Julius uh, Segal. Um, he did uh, a lot of uh, research. He was a psychologist did a lot of research in the last century about uh, POW trauma, mainly from soldiers in the, the Korean War and the Vietnam War. One of the, the men that he studied was a guy named General Adams, uh, General James Stockdale. Stockdale was held for 2,714 days as a prisoner of war. Now you do the math on that, that's almost nine years he was held in a POW work. At one time he was shackled for three days out in the sun no food, no water, and they beat him so that he couldn't sleep. Terrible experience. But while he was in that experience, especially during those three days, all of a sudden he started to hear. And it was repetitive. And you're like, well, how, did they, how could he hear that? Well, there were the other POWs that were there, they were belching, coughing, using other bodily sounds, typically mastered by 10-year-old boys, uh, right, to communicate to him Morse code. Dot, 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 dash, dot. And he kept hearing this thing over and over and over, and he kept hearing, and 
you know, when his faculties were good enough, he would understand. J-B-U-J-S. J-B-U-J-S. J-B-U-J. God bless you, James Stockdale. And what's amazing to me is that when people can't find community, they'll move heaven and earth for it. But when it's readily available to us, we tend to take it for granted. Listen, you need to be in a group. And if you're not, we would love to help you get into a group, however we can. If you will send us an email, you can do it from your phone right now. Send us an email, info at lifepointohio.com. We'll do anything we can to help you get connected because we believe we live in spiritual community, but not just in spiritual community. We live under spiritual authority. Nebuchadnezzar is amazed. He can't believe it. He didn't tell anybody what his dream was. Now, what we're going to learn later on in the book is that Nebuchadnezzar, for years, has wanted to build a statue of himself. Not just a statue, like a statue of liberty-sized statue of himself. And he understands that in the dream, what's going on is that's him. The thing that scares him to death is just this little pebble that could take it down, that could take him down. And so I want you to listen to Nebuchadnezzar's response to Daniel after Daniel's interpretation um, of the dream. The king answered and said to Daniel, truly, your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. You know, last week in chapter one, remember the the vegetables, right? The back and forth about, about that. Nebuchadnezzar's response is the exact same as Nebuchadnezzar's response in chapter two. He says, listen, Daniel, your God is amazing. He is the God of gods. He is the Lord of kings. He is, and we see these amazing responses of God. And so typically, whenever preachers or teachers like me, whenever we teach Daniel chapter one or we teach Daniel chapter two, the point ends up being something like, Look at the difference that you can make. But can I tell you, I don't think that's the point. Because the reality is, for Nebuchadnezzar, this is just words. Your God is the God of gods. He is the Lord of kings. He is the... He doesn't mean a word of it. And you'll see it as we move throughout the book. But what that does surface for me and you, it begs this question, this Christianity thing for you, is this kingdom authority or is this just a bunch of words that you speak? Is it just a bunch of Christianese that you say that you try and apply to the fact that you're really the one who's in charge of your life and you really do what you want, when you want, how you want, and you just try and get God to bless it and kind of put some Christian makeup on it? Who's the authority in your life? What's the determining priority Listen, if God doesn't change you, if he doesn't transform you, if he doesn't contradict you, you don't have a God. 
You have something that you've dreamed up that you want to bless you and your patterns and your thinking and your success the way that you, the way that you want it. Now the point in my mind of Daniel chapter two is build your life on the rock. Because if you don't, if I don't, your greatest fear, my greatest fear, is that something small will come along and it'll tear down everything you've built. Your dreams of success, your dreams of being seen as this, this dazzling colossus figure, this, this dream of being known that, as a great parent, this, this dream that you have of, of elevating where you are, of certain possessions or position or thing, you, it, it will take that much to wipe that dream out. But Jesus said, not Dean's words, Jesus' words, that you and I, we can avoid the sinking sand by building our lives on the rock. Jesus said that he is the stone, the one that the builders rejected that has become the chief of the corner. That little stone, the first time that he came, that rolled into the world, that was crucified among countless tens of thousands of people who were crucified by the Romans that not a lot of people gave a second thought about, that little tiny stone has grown into the kingdom of God, this unstoppable movement. And you and I have to decide, how do we react? What will we build our lives upon? We live in spiritual community under spiritual authority. Or this is all just words. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna sing a song here in just a second called He'll Do It Again. And the idea is that because of we've seen God, what we've seen God do in, in the scriptures and what we've seen God do in our lives, that we can trust him in our own Daniel chapter two moments because we believe he'll do it again. Because we look backwards to the cross where Jesus gave his life, paid for our sins, was miraculously resurrected on the third day. We believe that we can lean in and trust him with the things that maybe sometimes we wouldn't say to anybody else. He wants us. He wants to hear us because he loved us, loved us to the degree that he gave himself for us in spiritual community under spiritual authority. Let's pray together. God, we sang how great um, are you earlier. And now, God, what we're going to do is we're going to round that out. We're going to come back and sing. It wasn't just that you were great in the past, but we believe, uh, God, for a better future. We believe for a, a better present because of the work that we've seen you do in the past, because of what your word says about our future. We believe, God, that you are with us right now in the room, walking with us, desiring us, even in the most difficult and critical of moments. And so, God, as we sing, we pray that you will be blessed and that our hearts will be encouraged. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.